I'm Mike Nettles with Nettles Farm in Livingston, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be with you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen a slight improvement in wheat crop ratings here in Texas. But I do emphasize the word slight. The crop ratings overall are still very bad. We'll take a closer look at those numbers that came out this week coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A lot of farmers are looking for ways to cut input costs right now. I'm James Hunt in Amarillo, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you more of the strategic advice Texas High Plains producers are hearing from their local AgriLife economist. Trade agreements play a major role in U.S. red meat exports in 2021. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the breakdown on the numbers on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest Texas wheat crop ratings show a slight improvement in the condition ratings thanks to some recent moisture across the state. But the overall ratings are still awful as a winter-long drought has taken a huge toll on the crop. Roger Davis farms in the northeast panhandle. He says it's so dry he can barely get a moisture probe into the ground. I took a penetrometer, and what that is is a four-foot measuring rod, and it measures your moisture availability. And what most farmers like to have going into a summer crop is a four-foot profile of moisture. And you take that penetrometer, and it's got a little round handle on it. You can shove it down in the ground. So I went to a dryland wheat stubble, and I could go in after I jumped up and down on it to get it into the ground. Initially, I could go in two feet only. And the top foot is extremely dry. It was real hard to get through that top foot. Those latest ratings show 10% of the wheat crop rated good, 23% fair, and 67%, two-thirds of the wheat crop, rated poor to very poor. Texas dairy farmers have a little more time to sign up for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program. U.S. dairy farmers now have more time to apply for dairy margin coverage and supplemental dairy margin coverage to help them manage the economic risk brought on by milk price and feed cost disparities. The deadline to enroll is now March 25th. DMC provides payments to enrolled dairy farmers when the difference between the all-milk price and the average feed cost falls below a dollar amount selected by the producer. This year, FSA has updated the DMC feed cost formulas to better reflect the actual costs that dairy 
farmers pay for high-quality alfalfa hay. Supplemental DMC is aid for small and mid-sized dairies that have increased production over the years but were unable to enroll the additional production in DMC. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A Texan is taking a seat on the Cattlemen's Beef Board. Anderson County Cattleman David Henderson was just appointed to the board at the recent Cattle Industry Convention in Houston. He says he's looking forward to helping the CBB educate the public about the benefits of eating beef. I think we're educating people a lot more about beef so they don't have a stereotype or whatever you want to call it that beef is a bad thing. To me, beef is is probably not just a nutritious thing, but a healthy thing, too, as well as anything else out there. And and I just see, uh, as people are educated, it just being a a very good thing for the beef industry to see that beef is good for you and not, not a bad thing for you. The Cattlemen's Beef Board oversees the federal side of the beef checkoff. Henderson is one of 13 Texans who sit on the board. Texas farmers are looking for ways to cut input costs this spring. James Hunt has some advice on dealing with those rising costs. For farmers trying to rein in those input costs, one problem is there aren't many opportunities to hedge them. Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez. We've got a lot of really good marketing strategies for commodities, for what we sell. We don't have as many good marketing strategies for our inputs that we buy. And you can contract a little bit on fuel. You can cross-hedge some of the things that you are purchasing. But in reality, there's not as many good marketing tools. So with that limitation noted, Dr. Benavidez says as farmers look for ways to trim their production expenses, they should begin by concentrating on the big budget items. Let's say that fertilizer accounts for about 22% of the expenses on a corn expenditure budget in terms of variable costs. If you make a 10% improvement on your fertilizer expenditures, you know, again, by targeting your application or whatever the case may be, you just saved 2.2% on your total expenditures. Now, let's say that uh, irrigation is only about 10% of my total variable costs. If I make a 10% improvement on my irrigation expenditures, I've only gained 1% of my total expenses back. So my break-even price didn't go down as much from strategic management on irrigation as it would from the same percentage gains on fertilizer. So my rule of thumb is focus on your largest expense categories first. We'll hear more from Dr. Benavidez tomorrow. Before we close, here's a quick reminder on a major AgriLife event coming up soon. The High Plains Dairy Conference is March 1st and 2nd in Amarillo. The final day for early bird registration is February 21st. Contact AgriLife for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Last year saw record exports for U.S. beef and pork. Tom Nicoletti has the story. U.S. red meat exports reached unprecedented levels in 2021, with export value totaling $18.7 billion. With Texas being the number one beef production state in the country, Texas beef producers are reaping the benefits of the record exports. Trade agreements played a major role in the success story, according to U.S. Meat Export Federation economist Erin Borer. She notes that the greatly reduced tariff rates achieved in the Korea-U.S. Free Trade Agreement helped boost U.S. beef exports to new heights. 
Korea's consumption per capita has increased by 40% compared to 2012. There are lots of drivers in play in the market, but certainly the chorus FTA, we've watched that duty notch down from 40% down to this year 10.7%. That has certainly helped make a wider range of U.S. beef available in the market. In addition, other trade agreements around the world contributed to the record exports. The biggest tonnage growth last year was, of course, into China, and that was the China-U.S. Phase 1 agreement. The Japan-U.S. agreement, Japan's tariffs are still relatively high, even with the FTAs, but for U.S., we are fortunately on a level tariff playing field. And then Latin America, really key as well. Tremendous growth into markets like Central America, the Dominican Republic, big growth into Colombia, and then the key customers in Peru and Chile, also benefiting from the FTAs. U.S. pork exports to Mexico in 2021 hit a record level. So on the pork side, duty-free access into these Western Hemisphere markets was really critical in moving such a huge increase in volume at higher prices. Shipments of U.S. pork to Mexico, again, huge record year. And then as you move on south into Central America, just an amazing year, 41% increase. In Colombia, it was partially a rebound story. And again, there's room for further growth. In Korea, tariffs have already been eliminated. And last year, we really saw the U.S. emerge as the top supplier of chilled pork into Korea. For Japan, again, the Japan agreement, absolutely essential, especially for things like our ground season pork. We would have been stuck at 20%, and instead that tariff is phasing to zero quickly. That is Aaron Borer with the U.S. Meat Export Federation which reports that Mexico reclaimed its position as the leading volume destination for U.S. pork last year. Exports were up 27% from a year ago. Export value to Mexico also set a new record at $1.68 billion, up 45% from the previous 12 months. USMEF also reports that while much of the U.S. pork bound for Mexico is for further processing, The U.S. industry has made significant gains in both the retail and food service sectors, with pork benefiting more from in-home preparation as well as increased availability through takeout and delivery services. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A small owl found in Texas could be listed as threatened. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And baby teeth in puppies can cause problems in some types of dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on texasfarmbureau.org. That's texasfarmbureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Baby teeth in puppies can cause some problems in certain dogs. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells how. As the fetus develops, the deciduous tooth bud and the permanent tooth bud form at the same time, and the permanent tooth splits from the deciduous tooth. All of the dog's teeth do not have baby teeth, but many of them do, and as the permanent tooth develops, the crown contacts the root of the deciduous tooth and causes it to resorb, and the baby or deciduous tooth falls out, or at least that's what's supposed to happen. Unfortunately, it does not always happen in that manner, as sometimes the crown of the permanent tooth does not contact the root of the baby tooth, and the baby tooth can remain viable for years. All permanent teeth are usually erupted by the time the dog is five to seven months of age. All permanent teeth are supposed to erupt on the inside of the baby teeth, except for the upper canine teeth, which erupt in front of the baby canine teeth. It is not abnormal for active chewing puppies to fracture the thin, fragile baby canine teeth, and this results in an exposure of the pulp. Exposure of the pulp leads to pain, bacterial infection, and death of the pulp, and this infection can potentially lead to damage of the permanent tooth bud, which can lead to problems in the permanent tooth. For this reason, it is recommended to extract all fractured baby teeth as soon as possible. Also, some baby teeth will cause pain if they are located in the wrong place. These baby teeth also need to be extracted to decrease pain, but also allow the permanent tooth to erupt in the correct location. A permanent tooth and a deciduous tooth should never be present in a dog's mouth at the same time. So if you notice this, call your veterinarian for an exam. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A small owl found here in Texas could be listed as threatened. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Time is running out to weigh in on a proposal to list the cactus ferruginous pygmy owl found deep in South Texas as threatened under the Endangered Species Act. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says the pygmy owl is threatened by activities that reduce and fragment its habitat range. The owl, which can grow up to six inches tall, can be found in southern Arizona, deep South Texas, and Mexico. It is a predator that can easily take down prey twice its size. According to Fish and Wildlife, the pygmy owl gets its name because it nests in cacti cavities in Arizona and Mexico. and other locations in its range, the owl nests in tree cavities. In addition to listing the pygmy owl as threatened, Fish and Wildlife also recommends 4D protections for its habitat. Fish and Wildlife says those 4D protections would prohibit the same activities that are prohibited for an endangered species, but would allow certain exceptions. Fish and Wildlife considered listing the pygmy owl in 2011, but found a listing was not warranted throughout all or a significant portion of its range. Environmental groups then sued FWS, and Fish and Wildlife ended up agreeing to submitting a finding regarding the owl to the Federal Register for consideration. The deadline for the public to comment on the proposal is Tuesday, February 22nd. You can comment on regulations.gov. Simply search Pygmy Owl. The AgriLife Extension Service will host a virtual seminar called Up Close with Cranes March 3rd. Details are available at wildlife.tamu.edu backslash birding. That's wildlife.tamu.edu backslash birding. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
The live cattle market closed slightly higher on Wednesday, while feeder cattle closed lower. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 19th through the 26th, and FFA students from across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm the National FFA Secretary, Jackson Sylvester, from the state of Delaware. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agriculture education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a mixed cattle complex on Wednesday with the live cattle market closing higher while feeder cattle closed lower. February live cattle up 22 cents, 143.12. The April up 2, 146.92. June live cattle up 12 at 142.25. Feeder cattle in the red with March feeders down $1.27, 167.45. The April down 37 cents, 172.17. While May feeder cattle were down 37 to close at 176.55. Cash fed cattle market seeing some activity pick up at midweek. We saw bids of 142 buying cattle up north, but only a few, not big sales numbers to report at that price. Here in the south, packers are bidding 142, the feedlots asking 143, so the feedlots holding out to get another dollar. The online fed cattle exchange sold on Wednesday, 1,214 head of Texas cattle sold in the exchange. They brought 142 to 142.50. Boxed beef prices lower on Wednesday. Choice down 92 cents, 269.45. Select down 211 at 265.71. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Riley Rhodes about the results of the great sale he had Monday in Three Rivers Live Oak Livestock. Riley, how did it go? Ended up with 2,142 head today. Had some good volume. Market was uh, fully steady to probably two to four better. Uh, cow market was better by four to six. Everything sold real well. We were real pleased with it. Had uh, not many pairs uh, from eight, 850 to 1,400. Had a few bred cows today, though, uh, 775 up to 1,250. Your high-yielding packer cows today, 84 to 94. Breakers, 72 to 80. Canners, 34 to 66. Uh, high-yielding packer bulls. Dollar four to dollar twelve, <clears throat> low to medium yielding bulls eighty four to dollar four, two to three weight choice steers one eighty four to two hundred six, heifer mates one sixty to one seventy four, three to four weight choice steers one seventy four to two hundred two, heifer mates one forty six to one sixty eight, four to five weight choice steers one seventy eight to one ninety six, the heifer mates one forty two to one sixty six. Five to six weight choice steers, 166 to 186. Uh, heifer mates, 136 to 152. Six to seven weight choice steers, 148 to 168. 
uh, heifer mates 130 to 142, and the seven to eight weight cattle 132 to 146 on your choice steers, and heifer mates 122 to 136. So uh, real pleased with it. Got along good. Had some big strings of cattle today. Of course, those wean calves we had uh, some of those kind of brought six to eight, ten cents higher than the uh, regular market uh, just because they're weaned and the condition to them. But uh, real pleased with it. Uh, got along real well today. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. 361-813-6650 is the cell. 361-786-2553 is the office webpage, liveoaklivestock.com. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in deep south Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs continue to climb higher. April hogs up $1.25, closing at one o five forty. The May contract up $1.15, one oh nine fifteen. Class three milk was mixed with the nearby February up six cents, twenty eighty six a hundred weight. March milk down seventy four at twenty two twenty three a hundred. The cotton market saw big losses early in the trading session. We pared that back somewhat, but we still closed with triple digit losses across the board. March cotton dropping hundred thirteen points. 121.91, the October down 101 at 106.63, December cotton down 126 points to close at 102.82. The grain markets slightly higher after that big drop we saw on Tuesday. We're getting mixed messages coming out of the Russia-Ukraine situation. Tuesday, the markets dropped sharply with news that they were pulling troops back away from the Ukrainian border. However, that may not exactly be the case, so the grade markets are still very jumpy when it comes to that Russia-Ukraine situation. We finished with the corn market regaining some of Tuesday's losses. March corn up nine cents, six forty-seven a bushel. New crop September corn up four and three quarters, six oh five and a quarter. The wheat market slightly higher. July Kansas City wheat up three, eight thirteen and a half. July Chicago wheat up a half. At 782 and a half. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 35 cents, 465. March crude oil down 98 cents at 9109 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up four points, 34,993. The NASDAQ was up three at 14,143. The S&P up 12, 4,483. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope we see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.